Everyone, remain calm. Yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. And later there's running and screaming. Somebody talk to me, what is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. You're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. You want to consult here or in my bungalow? <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back. Hello and welcome to the 154th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. Now, I know I've been saying that I, I, I don't know when I'm going to get to see Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, but it, uh, it happened. It was a surprise, complete surprise, thanks to Chris Pugh at Jurassic Outpost and Jen for kind of making the push. We actually, the three of us, went to New York City and saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in IMAX. It was incredible, guys. The The entire experience was a blast. Uh, going up to the city, waiting for a few hours, like that, those last final minutes until that movie was before our eyes. It was it was a real treat. The uh, entire thing was just 100% themed to Jurassic. They had those giant standees with the T-Rex breaking through the logo. They had a bunch of the, um, the inflatable costumes of people dancing around. Um, we got to take pictures with them. They also had like this this um, thing that like basically created a little GIF or video for you, where you pretended to be uh, kind of jumping away from a T Rex as it's coming at you. They gave out goodie bags. They had giant like promo screens out in the uh, IMAX area where you know they they played ads and stuff like that, and of course uh, put up the posters and everything. It was a moving image uh, poster of one of the uh, new posters revealed with the T Rex and the helicopter and all that. Um, it was awesome. It was such a treat. And actually, once once you were inside the theater, they had a giant like poster on the screen, and they were blasting the score uh, that uh, had not, obviously not been released yet for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Still not released, but it was incredible to kind of get a taste of what we were about to hear and see. Um, and then the movie started, and it was just like, I, I can't believe it. It's happening. Finally going to get to see this movie. Um, I did post all my reactions last week, so definitely don't miss that one. We're going to do a lot of spoiler stuff coming up, so stay tuned for all that. But I'll just say I I really enjoyed it. I actually didn't know what to think at the time. It was just my mind was just in shambles. Like, what did we just see? I have no idea. There's a lot to to uh, comprehend and just to sift through. Um, a lot of thoughts and feelings. My feelings have even changed since then as I've had time with it to kind of think about all those aspects. I love the movie. I had a blast with it in the theater and my mouth was just wide open. I was laughing. I was near tears. There was a lot going on, a lot of emotions. And I can't wait to discuss it with you guys. Um, not yet. We gotta wait, wait some time until it's released here in the U.S. Um, but man, it was it was a blast. But uh, also, guess what? I mean, it's the 25th anniversary of Jurassic Park. The day that this is released, it is uh, June 11th, 2018. 25 years after the uh, first screening of Jurassic Park in theaters back in 1993. Time moves way too fast. I. 
I, I don't even know how to comprehend that as well. It's crazy. We've had 25 years of this amazing movie, and I uh, I think we're going to do a lot of stuff pertaining to this and to 25th anniversary. We've already done some things, but um, this month is just so insane that I think we might have to hold off um, on some podcast celebration probably until next month because, like I said, it, it's just out of control with Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom with Jurassic World Evolution, the evolution of Claire, everything, the Jurassic World Live game. Uh, there's just so much going on. Um, so we kind of have to temper it and, and pace ourselves a little bit and not run out of things to talk about in the future like that's ever going to happen. Come on. Um, but it's just been 25 years of these amazing films. Uh, the music has brought us together. The toys have, have created this incredible toy collector fandom and uh, just absurdity between all of us. We need all these toys. Um, this fandom in general is just incredible. Um, I, I've met so many amazing people. I have made such great friends with all of you, and I, I, I've loved every second of it. It's been an incredible ride, and uh, 25 years. I, I, I imagine we'll be here uh, I don't know if we'll still be podcasting, but another 25 years, uh, it'll be crazy to kind of look back and think about uh, everything that has happened. And, you know, we've we have now five movies in this 25 years. And uh, who would have thought, you know, it's uh, it's crazy. I can't believe we're here. But why don't we actually kick off this episode? We have a lot to bring you in this one. It's probably going to be quite long, even after my uh, extended intro right there. We have a lot of news to bring you guys regarding Fallen Kingdom's international box office, the opposition to the DPG, and uh, Blue coming to Universal. We also have Jurassic World Evolution news, which, by the way, releases this week. Incredible. And, of course, the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom score. Now, after the news, we're going to bring you episode 24 of Extinction Level Jurassic Park. Now, I know we have a lot of new listeners listening in, so if you haven't checked out Extinction Level Jurassic Park, it's a radio drama. So far, 24 episodes in uh, as of this episode, and it is it is fantastic. It kind of covers the ground right after The Lost World goes straight through Jurassic Park 3 and it should lead up to Jurassic World. It does have a lot of tie-ins to Jurassic World. It is pretty incredible. It's fully produced with amazing actors, uh, great music, sound effects, and all that. It is fantastic. We have all the episodes on our website, or if you search for Extinction Level on YouTube, you can find all the individual episodes there as well. So for this one, uh, actually for last episode, we featured a lot of touching moments in that one. There was a few tie-ins to Jurassic Park 3 and, of course, some potential destruction. I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't listened yet, but uh, it was a really emotional ride last time. So in store for us this week is even more range of emotions from the actors uh, involved and, of course, some new elements revealed on Sorna. It's, uh, it's surprising every time. Um, but after Extinction Level, I'll wrap up my thoughts in the after show, wrapping up some of the best moments from episode 24. Following that, Arjun, the creator, will give us a quick look at some of those extinct scenes from Extinction Level. Following that, we're going to move into the Visitor Center and chat with Silas Lesnick, senior editor with Movie Bill, which is an interactive magazine found at Regal Cinemas, and you can find that later this month focusing on Jurassic World 
Fallen Kingdom. We're going to chat about his history, seeing Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in theaters, and of course, everything Movie Bill has to offer for their upcoming edition focusing on Fallen Kingdom. We had a great chat, so don't miss it. After that, we're going to hear from Chuck and Brad of the Chuck and Brad podcast with an update on an awesome show that they are putting on later this month. You're going to have the chance to see them do a live retelling of Jurassic Park in comedy form. So stay tuned for all of their information. And rounding out the show, we're going to dive into the audio lab and hear from Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard with some thoughts on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, as well as some of Chris's injuries on the film and uh, a game of Guess the Dinosaur. So after that, we're going to hear from myself and Tom Fishenden on BBC Radio 2. Uh, We chatted with them uh, the day Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was released in the UK and, of course, right after I saw it in theaters in New York. Uh, That was a great bit uh, of fun there, so make sure to check that out. And lastly in the Audio Lab, last but not least, of course, we're going to hear a portion of the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom score from Michael Giacchino. It's incredible. Make sure to check it out. I did want to give a little shout out to Jurassic Informer at JP underscore Informer on Twitter. As they are doing a giveaway over on their Twitter account, they are giving away a battle damage super colossal T-Rex with the contest ending at the end of this month, June 2018. Find the post in our show notes for more information on how to win. It's an awesome piece, so don't miss that. And, of course, we have a few of our own plugs before we get underway. Um, We had a ton of bonus episodes last week. It was a big week. It's going to continue to be a big week until and even after Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is released. But uh, as far as our first bonus episode last week, we actually had the chance to visit Frontier Developments out in the UK to play Jurassic World Evolution before it was released. Um, and there was some interviews and a pop quiz with Johnny Watts, Michael Brooks, and Bo DeVries. Uh, that was an awesome episode. And then there was another bonus episode with those guys, uh, James, Steve, and Tom Fishenden. They all chatted with Johnny Watts and Michael Brooks some more. From Those guys are from Frontier. Um, so they chatted with them even more in a second bonus episode. Uh, we did have a third bonus episode, which was my spoiler-free look at Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I kind of touched on a lot of different points from the film, uh, whether they were aspects of visual, music, acting, all those kinds of things, and I didn't give away absolutely anything. It was very, uh, very um, just generic and nothing crazy. I just kind of generally talked about the film, gave my thoughts, my pros, my cons, so make sure to check that one out. It should be safe to listen to. If you don't want to hear any kind of details, then stay away. Um, but uh, that, that was a fun one to do and kind of tough to not touch on a lot of those aspects. So those were all our bonus episodes last week. This week, we actually have more reactions to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Tom Fishenden went out to the theaters a few times, I think like three times. He brought a bunch of people with him. Um, and I know Stephen Ray Morris was one of them. You've heard him a lot of times here on the podcast. So there's some recordings with everybody he went out with and Steven. So make sure to check out that episode. Um, I 
I don't know when that's posting. We'll figure it out. Um, but then the also, also the second bonus episode this week will be our reactions to Jurassic World Evolution. I know myself and Aaron Beyer will be doing an episode, so um, who knows? There might be even more. I don't even know. Um, it's, it's crazy. It's hard to even plan all this stuff out, but uh, that's what's on the table for this week so far. Um, it's crazy, guys. I'm sorry. I hope you guys don't mind all the episodes posting. It's a lot of content, I know. But uh, we're doing it all for you so you can kind of get a look at all this stuff and celebrate with us. It's a ton of fun, and I, uh, I can't wait to get started officially on Jurassic World Evolution. It's going to be a blast. But anyway, we do have a fun episode filled with tons of segments, tons of people. So why don't we get this one started off with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world. Eighteen minutes and your company catches up on ten years of research. Access main program. Access main security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, we ain't been right all the time. It's day. I guarantee it. Starting off here in the news, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom has opened up in 48 overseas markets this past weekend. And uh, yeah, it's doing pretty well. It grossed $151 million. Uh, It topped all 48 markets, including the studio's largest opening all time in Hong Kong and South Korea, which is great. So last time around, Jurassic World opened to 158 million. Uh, So it's just below that, but uh, not too bad, not bad. It is actually fifth uh, for this year behind Avengers Infinity War, Monster Hunt 2, Deadpool 2, and Black Panther. But also to note, all of those opened up in over 60 territories, so it does have that to its advantage as well because it's just behind all those of course they are still in the process of their slow rollout with china opening up on the 15th australia and brazil on the 21st mexico and the u.s on the 22nd and japan on uh, july 13th so there are still a lot of markets to open up and a lot of money to be made so i expect this to be pretty big it's it's actually looking pretty good hopefully the u.s We'll continue that trend. For more information from Box Office Mojo, head to the link in our show notes. I'm sure you're all following along with the DPG, the Dinosaur Protection Group, led by Claire Deering. Well, now they have their opposition. Extinction Now is, is well, now live. It features the Twitter handle at Extinction underscore now. And you can also go to ExtinctionNow.com. So their general theory is that dinosaurs have no rights. Extinction should happen now. Use the hashtag ExtinctionNow to discuss all these things. And it looks like they're supported by Ian Malcolm. Uh, they feature his uh, cover art for his book on the, on the uh, website, featuring a quote from Ian Malcolm. The five major extinction-level events throughout history were the result of natural chaos. But what lays ahead has the potential to be one of our own making. So I'm going to go ahead and read who they are straight from their website. So let's check it out. We stand in favor of re-extinction of the dinosaurs and against what dinosaur protection group DPG is fighting for. We support the continuation of natural selection and progress with the goal of keeping nature safe from the fundamentally dangerous and unpredictable misuse of genetic modification. 
We have been working tirelessly for years to present the spread and proliferation of genetically modified dinosaurs and have also spent years lobbying against open-air testing of modified bacteriological research and the creation of genetically modified organisms designed to alter or damage populations of naturally occurring species. If genetic modification of organisms is allowed to continue unchecked, ramifications could include the negligent biosafety procedures and corporate labs, the introduction of heavily genetically modified species into pristine natural environments, or even the collapse of entire food chains. We seek to defend the plants, animals, and the very ground we walk on from direct interference by those who put scientific advancements. Our purpose is to inform the public of the risks of genetic engineering run rampant, to take action against imposing genetic technology and its devastating potential impact on the world at large, and to make a stand against the callous and ignorant disregard for the diverse and sensitive nature of our ecosystem. Our extensive network of scientists, legal teams, activists, journalists, and social media supporters are ready to help. We will be there to fight for our planet, and we invite you to join our cause. This is a movement for all living things that share our world, our homes, our lives. We will not rest until this looming ecological disaster is averted once and for all. So there you have it. The complete opposite of the DPG is Extinction Now. Sounds like a lot of fun. This viral marketing has been a blast to follow, and it looks like it's still ramping up, which is absolutely incredible. If you want to find links to Extinction Now, head to our show notes. Blue the Velociraptor has popped up at Universal Studios Islands of Adventure, and the sculpt on this Velociraptor is absolutely incredible. Now, you may have gone to Islands of Adventure before and posed with the Velociraptor at the Raptor Encounter. That thing was fun. It was very interactive, but the same experience now involves Blue, and it is it is so far and above uh, better than the uh, previous Raptor. Blue looks uh, very realistic, very scary. The eyes blink. Um, it is it is fantastic. You you have to check this video out. We have the video in our show notes. It's it's so great. I can't wait to go uh, check this out myself in the future. But uh, if you're heading out to Islands of Adventure in Florida, make sure to check it out. But for now, head to the link in our show notes. I'm sure you all kind of expected this. It's been teased quite a bit here and there, and it actually uh, probably, I think, was featured in one of our videos uh, recently. The Indominus Rex is in Jurassic World Evolution. This is incredible. It's, uh, I think it's their first confirmation of like a hybrid species in Jurassic World Evolution. Um, so that is going to be fun to see how that comes about and how we can get that dinosaur. I am super pumped to have that thing in my park. It's going to be incredible. But um, I'm going to be busy this week playing that game, making sure I can figure out how to get that dinosaur. It's going to be a blast. So I just wanted to give you all a heads up. We actually have a video on our website in the show notes kind of introducing the Indominus Rex from Frontier. So it's a blast to, uh, to watch and to figure that all out and find out that this dinosaur is part of that game. I am so pumped. So go check it out. Lastly, here in the news, we wanted to mention the uh, pre-order for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom's uh, original motion picture score. There is the deluxe edition I'm looking at right now. It is available on iTunes, um, and it will be expected on June 15th. So that is, I think, uh, this Friday. And it looks like it's 26 songs, an hour and 19 minutes long. Um, As usual, Michael Giacchino has his very 
punny titles. They're not uh, too serious. They're supposed to be taken lightly. So um, I know some people have, um, you know, issues with that. But Michael has done that his entire career. Um, So uh, it's it's a stark difference from the uh, the previous Jurassic films with John Williams and Don Davis. But uh, the music is fantastic. And I I witnessed it firsthand in the movie. Uh, It is uh, as far as I could tell, it was very impactful. And um, I just didn't know about the theme. So I'm very excited to kind of download this uh, this week and figure out what uh, ties to certain themes and what we can expect to dive deeper into uh, later on. And for now, actually, later in this episode, you, you probably heard already that we have a track, which I'm not too sure if it's fully like a single track or multiple tracks, but we have some music from the movie so make sure to check it out later in the audio lab. But for now, you can download or at least pre-order the uh, Michael Giacchino Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom score um, on iTunes for $9.99, which is a great deal. And I'm sure it will be on all your other services like Spotify and uh, all those places as well. If you want to see that pre-order right now, head to the link in our show notes. Oh, there it is. There it is. And now, episode 24 of Extinction Level Jurassic Park. Previously on Extinction Level Jurassic Park. Get inside! I need to get the cure! Dr. Harding is coming in a moment! Who's that? One of your visitors. He's hurt. What? Dad? Sarah. Get inside. Get the disc from my office, and I need the sample. Well, close the doors. We're moving. Wait! You can't leave them! You're just gonna leave us here? Go. I cannot let you die in here. Go, be free. Dad? I'm okay. Now what do we do? I think there's a radio in Henry's office. Hoskins, this is Sarah Harding. We have to move for the cliffs. Maybe we could signal them somehow. We should take this. There's another one. What happened? Why are you not with your friends? Not my friends. You can come with us, sir. We need to be off. Any others behind you? I'm alone. Good. Come on. Abort the mission. You really want the extinction of these creatures credited to humanity? For all I care, they died from the disease they carry. If you bomb the island, you destroy all data and a cure can never be created in time. If those pteranodons start an outbreak, you're making a mistake. This is the captain. I need to speak with the president immediately. We don't have time. Abort the mission. Strike leader. Dropping bombs. No! They're dropping the bombs. Move! Jump. Go! Episode 24, Ectogenesis. On the flight deck ship, the captain received a connection to the President of the United States and under pressure of Henry, he reports. And the captain listens to the President. Well, if there's a cure, there's no reason to bomb the island, is there? Abort approved, of course. Alright, sir. Thank you. Strike leader. Dropping bombs. No! Quickly, the captain pushes a button to send a message. Abort! 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 Four bombs dropped, sir. I'm sorry. Heading back. What did they hit? What's the damage? In silence, the captain, crew, officer and Henry Wu are waiting the response of the strike leader until the answer comes. Target hit. Village destroyed. Sir. No! Henry Wu drops through his knees. This isn't real. This is not true. It can't be true. The captain turns and looks at the officer. Get him out of here! The officer picks up Henry Wu at his shoulders. Come on. Henry Wu is lost in thought, letting him be escorted out. 
Sarah and Tim had just jumped off the cliffs as the fourth bomb had hit just behind them. Having gone deep underwater from the fall down, Sarah now comes up, looking around for her father, Jerry Harding, who had been just behind them when the bomb hit. Dad! Dad! Looking up, she calls against the cliffs up at the jungle above, which is bathed in orange by the fire caused by the explosions. Dad! Then Tim comes up on the surface too. Tim! Did you see my father jump? With pity on his face, he wipes away the water from his eyes and face and shakes his head to say no. Looking up, Sarah sees the fire, hearing it crackling up on the cliffs under its orange glow. A tear rolling down from her eyes disappears in the water, dripping from her hair down her face. Knowing her father was up there, she wipes the water off and decides to swim back to the right bank of the river. And not long after, both Sarah and Tim are climbing up on the low rocky banks of the river. Tim moves towards Sarah, putting his hands on her shoulders. I'm really sorry, Sarah. Sarah wipes away another tear from her face. Nothing we could do about it, I know. We just have to move so we can get off this island. So, we climb? The jungle's on fire up there. Sarah points to their left. A little up the river, Tim sees the small boathouse too, with a cave behind it. Sarah starts walking in that direction, saying what Tim is also thinking. Maybe there's a boat we could take down the river to the ocean. Tim nods and follows Sarah. When they arrive at the boathouse, they look inside. The rotten wood of the floor is broken, leaving them standing at the doorway. The sunken rowboat left the tip of the bow out of the water. Useless. There's nothing else inside but a small scratched case lying on the floor. Careful, Tim walks inside. The boardwalk is so rotten it doesn't even crack, it's soft. Taking the case and opening it, Tim reveals four flares, some Jurassic Park map flyers, which fall out, and an empty slot for a flashlight that has already been taken out. Tim looks around to see if he sees it, but there's really nothing else inside. Turning around, looking into the cave, they see a man-made tunnel, large enough to walk through. This must lead to the surface. Together they enter the tunnel. Sarah signals Tim to hand her a flare, which he does, and she lights it to light their way into the dark of the tunnel, a red glow surrounding them. It's leading down. It must go up at some point. On the flight deck ship, the captain and crew are looking out to the deck as the six jets are touching down on the deck again. We're done here. Let's get back to the mainland. Send one cruiser after that ship that went north. Shouldn't you inform the president that the cure has been destroyed? We don't know for sure. We'll let the doctor process what happened, and then I'll ask him what he can do. Debrief them ASAP. What the hell happened here? How could they miss that kid out there for eight weeks? Eight weeks? That family in Costa Rica, I want to debrief them too. And we need to get those flying things located and isolated. Let's move out. Flowers start glaring, and the horns echoing over the ocean. Engines start up and the ships start moving. Most headed east, one already headed northwest after the supply ship carrying Masrani. In the red glow of the flare, Tim and Sarah walk onto a metal grate platform. Rows of light bulbs hang overhead, but they are switched off. The way leads to a T-junction, with stairs going up on one end. See? Arrived at the T-junction, they see the other tunnel is short leading to a small steel grating platform over a hole in the ground. 
The right wall in the tunnel is decorated with three posters. A fourth has fallen to the floor. The contents not clearly visible from their location. The lettering on the left wall says in large letters across the whole wall, Marine Life. What's this? Marine Life? How? A curiosity peak, they decide to leave the stairs waiting and enter the short tunnel, leading to the grating platform. Walking past the posters, they see the image of the mosquito in amber, with the question, marine life from mosquitoes possible? Another poster asks the question, how did they breed, showing two mosasaurs circling in what could suggest a mating ritual. Sarah is taking in the wall posters. The last poster indicated some kind of medical benefit, a smiling, happy woman with watery eyes, getting her baby handed to her by a man in a white lab coat. The heading saying, is the world ready? Because we are. With at the bottom, engine, we make your future. Tim is looking down at the ground. What's ectogenesis? Tim had unfolded a poster on the floor, showing the header ectogenesis. The image through the dirt showing a lizard-like creature inside the uterus. With a smaller image in the corner of that of a human baby inside the uterus. No way! They enter onto a small steel grating platform ending in metallic stairs leading down in a white concrete tube. Looking at each other, Sarah decides to go first, getting down onto her knees to get her footing on the vertical stairs down. Tim looking down at her, then following. Below the stairs there are two sliding doors, closed. A motion sensor picks up their position and suddenly the doors start to hum, trying to open up. Startled, both look at the doors. Come on, help me push them open! Both grab the door, pulling them to the sides until there is enough room to go through them. Behind the door, they find an enormous round dark space, like the inside of a sphere, held together by black steel framing, and lit by a small light, which crackles, sparks and dies. The sound system comes to life as Sarah moves through the doors, static noise crackles through an unseen speakers and the voice speaks, a voice they recognize. John! First look at our upcoming attraction. While the recording of John Hammond's voice continues, they move across the inside of the sphere to the other side, what appears to be some smooth, rounded wall covered in moss. So rarely bitten by mosquitoes, it puzzled us. Finally decoded and surprised us even more. Sarah removes the moss from the wall, making squeaky sounds. Glass. Little did we know about our real luck, but we would soon discover. When in 1985, Sarah and Tim move along the enormous dome, gliding their hands along the smooth surface, removing moss, squeaking. What are you on about? Reading underwater. I think I know. It's an aquarium. It set our scientists down the path of ectogenesis. And while the world may not be ready to accept this breakthrough in science, we at International Genetics Technologies are. These young Tylosaurus here of the Mosasaur family as proof of our success. At that cue, the lights within the tank are switched on automatically, and for a short moment an enormous adult Tylosaurus is clearly visible through the moss, right next to Sarah, hanging stationary in the water. Its jaws wide open, Sarah and Tim let out short screams in terror, but then Sarah takes a closer look. Is it dead? Lights within the tank start to die out again, I thank you for your visit and your continuing trust and support. Sarah moves closer to the eye, moving in close for a good look. Jurassic Park. Through the shady glass, the eye moves to look straight at her. 
Sarah jumps back and stumbles backward, falling as the animal snaps its jaws shut and suddenly with a high speed moves away from the glass, disappearing in darkness. Oh no! The Tyrosaurus had hit the side of the aquarium with full force, creating a spiderweb in the glass. Water started to seep through. Thank you again for listening to this episode that ties in Jurassic Park the game. In this episode you heard the voices of Jurassic Unicast James Hawkins as the US President and the recorded voice of John Hammond, Jay and Ted's Ted Brothers as the Navy Captain, Jurassic Collectibles as the Strike Leader, Jurassic Cast Podcast Ross Lane as Henry Wu, Sick Triceratops as the Officer, myself as Tim Murphy, the Bryce Dallas Howard Network's Jennifer Tarek as Sarah Harding, and Emily Clulo as the First Officer on the Bridge. And the last track you heard was that of Neon Media KJT's Jurassic World-inspired fan-made track called Prehistoric Showdown. Join us next time to find out how this will continue, coming to the end of our story in just two more episodes. Alright, so if you're new to Extinction Level, this is my wrap-up of that episode that you just heard, which was called Ectogenesis. Um, And this one kind of dove right into it. Um, on that ship that uh, has the captain and Dr. Wu is there kind of pleading his case to not blow up this island. And uh, so the, the captain calls the president. president picks up. But at that point, we had um, heard the uh, the guy in the plane basically say, uh, you know, we're, we're dropping the bombs. It's happening. And uh, so in the, when this episode starts, we hear the president kind of like knowing about the cure existing. He's he's the one that basically calls off the bombs. The captain, like, screams it out, stop these bombs from dropping. But at that point, uh, four bombs have already dropped, and we heard that in the last episode. Um, at the end of that episode, basically, they're on that cliff, and uh, it seemed like one blew up right behind Jerry Harding and uh, Tim and... and uh, I almost said Jen. Uh <laughs> Oh, I did say Jen now, but uh, Tim and uh, Sarah jumped off the cliff, and uh, that was the last we heard about them. So uh, they're basically wondering, what was the damage from those four bombs? And they asked that guy in the plane, and basically the village was destroyed. Dr. Wu is seriously distraught because he knows that the cure was there, and um, he, he he's like, well, this is it that the cure is gone so they kind of usher him off the flight deck because he's hard to control at that point but uh we kind of jump back to sarah and tim as they jumped off that cliff we're now with them in the water and um you know they're they're soaking wet obviously and they're looking around for jerry they can't really find him anywhere and um the cliffs above are in flames tim doesn't see jerry or he didn't see jerry actually jump off the cliff at all so they basically know that um Jerry was still up there. Um, Jerry Harding, you guys know as the guy from Jurassic Park who was with the Jeep and the sick Triceratops. And um, uh, Ellie Sattler kind of stayed around with him until the they fully checked out the sick Triceratops. So he is the father of Sarah Harding. And Sarah is on this island um, here. And it doesn't look like Jerry uh, survived that. And they basically know that he couldn't have possibly made it out alive so they both kind of get out of the water and they see a boathouse up in the distance with a cave behind it so of course they start heading to it and uh, once they get there they realize this boathouse is 
kind of in shambles. It's rotting. Uh, there is a case inside the boathouse that has flares and stuff there. Um, they they end up going towards that cave, which is actually a man-made tunnel. So, of course, why not go in the dark tunnel? Of course, you have to go in there, right? I mean, there's no other way around. They they have no other option. And they I would assume that they, those two um, basically think that this island is continually being destroyed. I don't know what their mindset is at the moment because as far as they know that the military is supposed to be destroying this island. Um, so they enter this cave, which kind of goes downwards. But we cut back to the flight deck. The captain is there. He's like, all right, th- that's it. We're done. We're out of here. we got to get back. So they want to send the crew after the one ship that went north, which actually had Mizrani, a lot of other people on there. And if you remember correctly, if I remember correctly, actually, um, there w- I think, um, who was it? Was it Sarah and Tim were on like a cliff? And they spotted, I think, raptors on that boat. Um, so that'll be interesting to see what happens there. But they basically send a crew after that ship to see what's going on. And the captain, he I don't know. He kind of seems like he's in denial about the cure being destroyed. He's like, we don't really know. We got to assess the situation. And uh, we got to wait for Dr. Wu to process everything because he's emotional right now. So who knows? And he basically, he's concerned. He's like, how, how did they not know? that um, the kid, Eric Kirby, was out there on this island for eight weeks without um, any knowledge of any of that crew that, um, you know, was on the island. There was a lot of people out there, you know, and, and nobody knew. Eric just kind of avoided their detection this whole time, and we never knew a sense of that from the movie. They never kind of alluded to anything like that, so we just assumed the island was abandoned completely. But as far as this radio drama is telling us that maybe, uh, maybe there was a lot more going on, and nobody knew still. So this captain kind of wants to debrief the Kirby's, I'm assuming here, and uh, figure out what they knew. And of course, he wants to locate and isolate those Pteranodons that uh, had escaped. So he wants to take his ship and head east to the mainland and figure things out. So from there, we kind of cut back to Tim and Sarah, and they are in that tunnel. And this this part actually gets really interesting, and I love how everything ties together here. Um, so they have a flare in their hand. They're kind of making their way down this tunnel, and they come across a lot of posters and different things. And uh, one of the one of the things on the wall actually says "Marine Life." So of course they they go that way. Why not go that way? Because you have all the questions in the world. Um, and these posters that are there are indicating like mosquito DNA possibilities and things like that and the Mosasaurus and like how would you possibly make these things Um, and even medical benefits which is interesting so um, I guess for humans so uh, ectogenesis is on one of the posters on the floor so if you're all confused and don't know what uh, ectogenesis is I have the (laughs) Wikipedia right here and it basically says ectogenesis is the growth of an organism in an artificial environment outside the body in which it would normally be found, such as the growth of an embryo or a fetus outside the mother's body or the growth of bacteria outside the body of a host. So that's pretty interesting there. Um, But basically, I mean, to me, that just sounds like this entire dinosaur cloning process. Um, So they basically head down the stairway and go through um, this one section. The lights are flickering and I think the door is basically kind of uh, coming to life there and opening up for them. And at one point, the speakers that are in this place just roar to life with all kinds of activity and uh, basically a speech for investors from Mr. Hammond. 
which is incredible. We finally get uh, John Hammond back here from uh, James Hawkins, who does an incredible Hammond impression or uh, recreation, I guess, there. But um, so basically, Hammond is, as far as I can tell, underneath all the dialogue, it looks like he is looking. Uh, well, they're basically looking at an upcoming attraction in front of them. Um, and they talk about an animal so rarely bitten by mosquitoes and trying to clone the creature that set them down this path of ectogenesis. Um, so it's really interesting because, well, you know, a lot of people wonder about that. And I think um, I think it's made mention somewhere in, in, in something. I forget where. Um, but um, so they basically figure out that in front of them is an aquarium. It's very dark. They're having a hard time seeing everything. But Hammond mentions the Tylosaurus. Uh, which is basically a Mosasaurus, um, which ties into Jurassic Park the game because that was featured in the game as well. And I think, you know, they were on Isla Nublar and there was um, basically a, a marine life area on Nublar and they had some situations with the Tylosaurus there as well. So uh, they're basically looking into this aquarium. They see something in the water. They're wondering, hey, is that a dead creature? It basically reminds me of Jurassic Park 3 when they're, you know, looking in the vial there and they see the raptor and it comes to life because that's what happens here. The eye moves. It scares Tim and Sarah. The creature basically swims away and crashes into the aquarium glass. And of course, it starts cracking. You know, um, Sarah has a real issue with cracking glass. So she should just stay away. Stay away from all glass at this point, Sarah. So it's not good because they're down in this tunnel and of course, there's a lot of water behind there, and they got to make their way out of there as soon as possible. But that's where the episode ends. Leaves us again on a cliffhanger. Of course, no other way to do it, Darjan. So thank you very much for that every every single time. Um, but in this episode, number 24, we had a lot of great actors. James Hawkins made his triumphant return. He was like in every episode for a while, so basically gave him a break for a little while. And now he's back as John Hammond in that uh, amazing sequence. And it was so, so Hammondy of everything to have that kind of speech, you know, preparing the investors as to what they're about to see. Um, we also had Jurassic Collectibles, Ross Lane, Sick Triceratops, Arjun did his voice, Jennifer Tarek, uh, Emily Clulo, uh, James, I said that already, but there was some great music. Everything involved in this episode was a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, right now we have two episodes left. This has been an incredible journey so far, and episodes 25 and 26 are coming very soon. We have um, episode 25 on the 25th of this month, and episode 26, the final installment, on uh, July 9th. So make sure to check out that one, and also we'll have the creator, Arjun Boss, um, on as a, you know a discussion kind of finalizing all the details and discussing everything that happened in extinction level in that final episode and and the final few because we had him on halfway to discuss all those details and now we'll discuss the second half and the thing as a whole and what happens from now you know from here on out i don't know but um i am super pumped to find out what happens in these final two episodes so make sure to stay tuned for june 25th for episode 25 of extinction level jurassic park Extinct scenes, or scenes that didn't make the cut into Extinction Level, Part 10. As you may have gathered from earlier episodes, Extinction Level ties Jurassic Park the game into canon, with the Tylosaurus in this episode. 
As I explained in other media, I consider the game as told by a third party, someone who wasn't there, but had the story told to him by people involved. They added a little juice here and there, salting the story with exaggeration and false facts, like the Tyrannosaurus breaking through the visitor center doors, which obviously didn't happen watching Jurassic World. Also I would consider the Troodon made up and perhaps the fact that Nima found the actual Barbasol can. The Tylosaur in the game on Nubla was already big, and this one on Sorna for the tale of extinction level was kept in a tank with multiple other animals. The last one still alive in 2001 after eating its siblings, which were all already quite large at the time they were left there. The earlier screenplays included this scene too, but with Sarah alone. A scene that is now extinct is that of Wu leaving Sorna, visiting the tank on Nublar after disturbing news surfacing of stranding whales, which was reported on the news way earlier in the script as a seemingly insignificant piece of information. On Nublar, Wu would find out that the Tylosaurus there had escaped after its encounter in the game. In a conversation with the sergeant, Wu would connect the dots, asking the sergeant suggestively, the dead whales on the shores of Australia, New Zealand and Japan? What about it? Meston said. I'm afraid it's us, Wu said. Injun, I mean. Our Mosasaurus is no longer contained in its tank. It looks like it escaped. Unimpressed, Meston asked, what's that? A Mosasaur. Some Egyptian thing? A Mosasaur. It's a marine reptile from the Cretaceous. One of our greatest achievements. And now it's out there. Out in the world's oceans somewhere. The final scene of the second script, so the very final scene of both scripts, would reveal Lewis Doxon, gone mad, going after the final chance to get his hands on the dinosaurs, whale hunting for the Tylosaurus in open sea. And as they spotted the dragon of the ocean, he'd quote Ahab from Moby Dick, Forever and for I, yea, the intolerableness of all earthly effort, laughing hysterically. <laughs> no, that's not it. No, that's not it. Let's open up the doors to the Visitor Center and welcome in Silas Lesnick, Senior Editor with Movieville, to discuss their issue featuring Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. We're here today inside the Visitor Center, hanging around the lobby for a bit, waiting for the one and only Mr. John Hammond to give us a tour of the grounds. But in the meantime, I have a guest with me, Mr. Silas Lesnick, senior editor with Movie Bill, an interactive magazine found at Regal Cinemas. Movie Bill's June 2018 edition features Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Silas, how you doing? Pretty good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I'm uh, very excited to learn a lot more about Movie Bill, what you're doing with Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, all about your history and everything. But before all that, I do have a question for you. So I'm going to start it off real difficult, real tough question for you. Okay. (laughs) So if you were stuck in a kitchen with a velociraptor, what would you do and would you make it out alive? Oh, man. I would not make it out alive. I... (laughs) I think I would be far too tasty to a velociraptor. <laughs> um, I would probably attempt to calm it down. I'd probably try to do little clicks and hand movements, and I would probably immediately get eaten. Yeah, it, it's very tough. I ask everybody this same question that comes on and guests on the podcast, and uh, 
the the majority of the consensus is you know you're not getting out there's no <laughs> chance everything was pure luck in that movie it seems like um i know i'm not big enough to fit in like a little cupboard and just kind of you know pull the thing down and, and hide but uh you know lex could do that so <laughs> good for her <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, we're going to get into talking about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and, of course, your latest edition of Movie Bill shortly. But why don't you tell us and uh, everybody listening, what exactly is Movie Bill for all those who haven't come across one before? Oh, uh, it's it's not surprising if you haven't come across it before. This is only our second issue uh, with Fallen Kingdom. Our first issue was uh, Avengers Infinity War. And uh, it it is still a learning curve to put together, but it's been such a fun ride. Um, the the I, I, I have been working as an entertainment reporter for almost a decade. Um, I used to work for a website called ComingSoon.net. And, oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, very cool. Um, and I moved over to Movie Bill last year, and it's 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 very different, but it's it's been super cool. Um, it's it's sort of a, a combination. Uh, it's like a collectible booklet. It's twenty eight pages. Uh, we have a partnership with Regal Theaters. So uh, depending on what movie we have an issue dedicated to, when you go to a Regal Theater, you'll get this booklet uh, th- that in many ways is like a playbill. You'd get it a, a play. And the entire issue is dedicated to that particular movie. Um, but it also features augmented reality content, which is has been a whole new world for me. And it has been super fun to, to play with. And uh, with Jurassic World we get to do uh, augmented reality dinosaurs and that's been really, really fun. Oh man. I'm sure that's amazing. I I've been diving so heavily into Jurassic world alive. Uh, the new app that features augmented reality in certain aspects of the game. Have you, have you gotten a chance to play that at all? I have, I've been playing it. We've actually been working with uh, uh, the Jurassic park alive people or just world live. And uh, it's, it's been really fun. Um, it, you know, I played Pokemon Go when it came out, and I enjoyed it, and it sort of wore off, and this is almost like, oh, it's it's just different enough, and it's dinosaurs that it, it sucked me right back in. Yeah, you know, I I tried to hop on the train with Pokemon Go. I was never, like, uh, into that as a kid. It, I think I was just a tad too old for it, so it I just bypassed that whole thing. I played that game for maybe, like, a week. I was into it, and then all of a sudden I just stopped. But uh, this Jurassic World Alive, I've been going pretty hardcore so far, and I like all the updates to make it more for me. You know, I think it works that way. <laughs> Have you managed to get a T-Rex yet? Ah, oh, no. I, I don't know. There's none around me. I, I feel like uh, my dinosaurs are very slim pickings around here. Um, I was out there going pretty hard for a, an Apatosaurus today. It was like one of the special ones. So uh, that's that's where I stand. <laughs> I, I still don't have a T-Rex myself, but it's the only one that I, w- I was actually home one day and I saw it like two blocks away. And I was like, ah, I'm actually going to leave the house and go try to get this. <laughs> so I guess we can expect basically like uh, these AR dinosaurs kind of popping up uh, off the book then, right? Yeah. Well, it's sort of the thing we, we try to do a movie bill is every single page has some sort of augmented reality activation. And uh, there's a lot of dinosaurs in this issue, but there's a lot of of other stuff uh, that has been really fun. Um, I, I, I'm a big nerd myself, and, and one of my favorite things is the expanded universe of franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to spend quite a lot of time digging through all of the, the viral stuff they did with the Masrani Corporation and the Dinosaur Protection Group and just pulling in. I, there were so many things about Jurassic Park I didn't know about, and I just assumed I did. Um, I'd never heard of uh, a trespasser 
and I became fascinated by it. Yeah, yeah, that is one that you can dive deep into, right? And uh, the comics too. The, the uh-huh. it's it's so strange some of the things that happen in the comics. <laughs> yeah, those those are a little tricky. I mean, we we don't necessarily consider them too much canon, but uh, they they are fun reads. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, the weirdest is that uh, Robert Muldoon survives <laughs> and wears his action figure outfit. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Like, I guess they're taking cues from the book. Like, hey, you know, Ian Malcolm survives. We can do the same thing with Muldoon, you know? But to the extreme, it's like, you know, you can't say that this absolutely did not happen. I don't think there's anything in any of the comics that are so contradictory that uh, <laughs> sort of <with> – the- <laughs> Yeah, and we all have our own headcanon, so there's probably people out there that, that uh, you know, still stick to it, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> so you said you did um, Avengers as your – that was the first one you did? Yes, uh, and that was a lot of fun. Um, it, it was for Infinity War, which was – it was sort of an interesting uphill battle because uh, that movie was so secretive and uh, – it was a, a lot of like, I, I hope this is relevant to the film. And it ended up coming together even better than I thought it would. Yeah. So so like you said, it's very secretive. So, I mean, Jurassic is, is secretive as well. Maybe not as tight-lipped as Avengers. But in, in that case, like what um, what kind of access do you have to information to, to at least build your content for something like Avengers? Um, you know, Jurassic, we actually, I think because we sort of had an issue to, to show people and say, this is what we want to do. We had even more access with Jurassic. Um, Mm. so we have a bunch of, uh, interviews with the cast that have been really, really fun. Um, there's an extended interview with Jay Bayona. Um, it, 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 it's, it has been a cool world to dive into. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you don't want to give away everything. I'm sure that's inside there. Let people experience for themselves. I, uh, I know I'm very excited for that uh, that edition for sure. It, it uh, you know, knowing what what you guys put into it, um, it sounds very exciting. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I hope you like it. Yeah, it, and it, honestly, like I, you know, you you're brand new. I mean, this is all brand new uh, to a lot of people, I guess, because you're on your second issue here. But it's, um, you know, something I'd never even considered before. Never thought about when I'm going to a movie theater. You know, I just kind of hand in my ticket and I go in. So, what is it about that? Uh, you know, are you trying to make it more of an experience, kind of like Broadway is in that sense, and make it more, you know, uh, I don't know, fancy or or just like. Uh, Regal, I guess, in that term. <laughs> you know, the 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 uh, the slogan that I think we came up with uh, is like the movie doesn't have to end. But that was very much built out of the idea that, uh, yes, it, it's designed to be something that you flip through um, while you're sitting waiting for the movie to start. But this particular issue, I'm, I'm really happy with some of the video interviews we have. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that people explore it before the movie, but then they take it home and they, they go in depth. Um, I, I, I think my personal favorite uh, just nerd thing in the issue is a, uh, a timeline we put together of uh, sort of just scouring through the Jurassic canon when things happened. Um, oh, and that was that was awesome to do. Oh, that's got to be great. That's that's one of my favorite things. There's a, a lot of, you know, issues people have. So it's fun to kind of dive into those plot points and figure out when things happened. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to even do that. You know, after Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is fully released and kind of get an idea of that time frame as well. So that's going to be fun. Um, as far as uh, what was I going to ask there? But uh, 
I don't know. Um, so when it comes to building this this magazine, uh, what is it that you are uh, tasked with doing, and, and uh, you know, how, what is your role in Movie Bill? Um, it's it's been a lot of fun. I'm I'm one of two uh, senior editors, so our job is sort of to to pull together uh, any idea we can. Uh, it's been an interesting. My my background has been sort of chasing the news cycle and. Uh, you write like 20 stories a day and just get them out as quickly as you can. And this has been a really fun sort of like, no, now you hand it to a design team and they give you information. And the end result means that we've, we've made something that is really collaborative and uh, is pulled together from a number of different creative mindsets. Um, I, I have a very like movie nerd uh, sense of view on things and our other editor Todd Gilchrist is much more um, uh, maybe academic with with the way he writes and it it is made for some some fun uh, uh, collaborations just because we, we see things from a very different perspective mm-hmm. yeah that's actually you you cued me up there on what I was about to ask um, so when it comes to you know sitting down and you're looking through this magazine and uh, that's the kind of detail that I love is kind of Taking in the last minute, uh, you know, information, anything you can. You said like a like a timeline, uh, just to kind of get that experience because not everybody is you know a listener of the Jurassic Park podcast or as hardcore as a lot of us and some of these listeners out there. So I kind of love that aspect of this this magazine here to to get um, you know some more details and especially interviews and whatever they you know whatever you pack into this issue into people's minds before they see a movie like Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom because. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, it's heavy at times, so it's kind of nice to kind of get those information, uh, that information out to people like that. And especially, um, you know, even continuing the project and making it almost like a, a collector's, you know, uh, piece for when they take it home later. Yeah, I'm hopeful that people people collect movie bills. And uh, uh, hopefully, I, I my hope is that down the road, people will, will go to a movie to get a movie bill, and it might not be a movie that they – we're necessarily going to go to otherwise. Okay, so so whenever you go to Regal Cinemas, if I'm not seeing Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, am I getting one? No, it's it's specifically for the movie uh, that you're seeing. Okay, okay, good. Yeah, that that makes the most sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm going to go see Show Dogs. Um, <laughs> let's learn about Jurassic World. But that'd be a good way. I mean, um, and you know the funny thing, like I said, bringing these things home. I have a stack of playbills. I'm not too far from New York City, so we we tend to go out there from time to time. And I do love that collectability of those things, just to kind of say, you know, I saw this thing. I, I was there, and uh, I think that Movie Bill could be that same thing. You know, sometimes you go to, um, you know, a sit-down concert or a, a comedy show or something, and they give out something similar, but it just doesn't have that tangible um, quality that you 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 want to hold on to it. You want to keep it. You want to really dive into it. Um, and I think when you're attaching it to something that people love, like this, like a, like a movie that they're going to see, I think that's a that's a great um, ability for this magazine here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's it's been fun. Um, it's it's one of the things I think we all sort of realized is like I, I have every collectible thing I've ever received going to the movies and like. It's just something that is is in. Uh, let's save this, put it in a drawer. Uh, it's it, it's the trick is finding a way to make it something that a, uh, a 
that my dad will sit and read and he's probably not going to activate the AR. Uh, yeah, good but point. a kid might be the very opposite. The AR might be the very first thing thereafter. Um, so it, it, it's been a lot of balance, but uh, hopefully we've achieved it. Yeah. So is this something that you guys kind of went to Regal or did was Regal like looking out for something along these lines? You know, I'm actually not not certain. Um, the the <laughs> the guys that sort of started the company that brought me aboard had set things in motion when I came aboard, and um, which has been amazing for me, just because it's it's sort of like oh, we we already have a format for reaching um, a million people opening weekend. That's amazing. Yeah, really. So when you uh, kind of got started, I guess you you were doing writing. You said with like coming soon. <laughs> Yeah, I was a. Uh, I, I uh, went to Emerson College in uh, Boston, and uh, they they have a, a really cool program where you come out and you're an intern in LA. And I was an intern at uh, Dark Horse Comics's uh, film offices, and um, the the guy who was sort of my internship supervisor had a friend who had a website, and um, I had sort of taken a journalism minor, really as a financial aid trick. Um, because by needing more credits, I could get more financial aid. Uh, but he saw that I had that and wanted to know if I wanted to write for his friend's website. And I freelanced for about a year and then uh, went full time with Coming Soon. And uh, I was there a little more than eight years. Yeah, that I, I, I do love the movie industry and the uh, the writing, the critics and all that stuff, the websites where you can dive deep into uh, all the information. That's kind of you know, how you get started in, in the film community in a way, like film Twitter and just talking with friends and, uh, you know, people that are like-minded. And that's one of those sites that I, you know, dove heavily into uh, in the early days, I think, too. So, um, and as far as your early days, um, was it films like Jurassic Park that kind of got you into doing, you know, stuff along these lines? Uh, I mean, definitely. Um, I, I'll tell you a, a story that... Uh, it kind of makes me sound like an idiot, but <laughs> I, I think I was nine when Jurassic Park came out, and uh, my family, uh, my, my my dad was working for IBM, and we moved to France uh, for a year and a half, and we moved back, and Jurassic Park had come out, and had been out for like three weeks, and I didn't know what it was, <laughs> and my grandmother kept saying, I want to take you to Jurassic Park, and I legitimately thought it was a theme park. I like, Oh man. <laughs> I, like I, I didn't think that they had cloned dinosaurs or anything, but I thought it was like, I remember seeing the, the scene from the kitchen where the Raptor sort of breathes on the door. And it was like, I, I, I was like, well, that certainly looks real. Like, and I just assumed it was some sort of animatronic thing from a, a theme park. <laughs> That is probably one of the better stories I think I've heard about wit- witnessing Jurassic Park for the first time. You just you go to another country and you just have no there's like no sense of radar when it comes to Jurassic Park. It's just like there's an actual theme park out there. I love that. That's amazing. And it was I mean like as a kid it was like I was still wrapping my mind around learning that they had made a live action Mario Brothers movie. Oh yeah. I mean, come on. They're they're on the same level, right? Yeah. <laughs> they both have lizard creatures in there, I think, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, when it comes to those four movies, though, um, I'm sure you caught all of them over, over the years. Um, oh, absolutely. Do you have yeah. – it's usually um, a simple question, but do you have a favorite of the of the first four? 
I mean, it, it, it can't not be the first one. And the first one's just a perfect film. Yeah. But I, you know, weirdly, I remember when, when Lost World came out, I, I didn't really care for it. And like, I think I was like a, like early teen and it was kind of like, ah, this is stupid. And I really love the Lost World now. Um, it, it's almost like Steven Spielberg's first like cynical movie. Um, it, 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 it's fascinating to me that he made Jurassic Park and then made Schindler's List Mm -hmm. and then came back to Jurassic, uh, for Lost World. And it's, it's such a darker movie. Um, and now as an adult, I I think it's fascinating. I just, I I really like it. I'm glad to hear that because I feel like a lot of people go the opposite way. You know, they're like, oh, you know, it's dumb fun. I liked it when I was a kid, but you know, uh, I, I, the, uh, gymnastics or, you know, blah, 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 this or that, or T-Rex coming to San Diego, they tend to like hop off the train when, you know, they get older. So I'm glad to hear it's kind of going the other way for you. No, it's even been the reverse. And I remember, like, I I remember because the first movie was so big, I instantly wanted to read the Michael Crichton novel. And then Lost World, the book came out. And uh, early on, it was very much like comparisons. And I hated that they merged the two kids into the one little girl. And now when I go to it, it doesn't bother me at all. I think she's a, a fine character. And even the gymnastics moment is like, it's it's fine. I, I don't think it's that silly anymore. Yeah, I, uh, I have, I've never had an issue with that. And I've talked with a lot of people, obviously, in the community here. And we all have that same like reality where we find out that people didn't like that scene and they think it's stupid. And a lot of us were like, Oh wait, I didn't even think, I didn't even know people didn't like that. All of a sudden I'm catching up to that now at, you know, my thirties, like, Oh, I, I didn't realize people didn't like this movie or didn't like that scene. So it's, it's pretty interesting to see the backlash in just, uh, I guess film Twitter, which is very cynical in its own right. You know? Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I got to ask, what do you think about Jurassic Park three? You know, I, I I have mixed feelings in Jurassic Park three. Um, I I think it's a little too bad that it retreads so many things and the plot's a little shaky. But all around, I feel like when it came out, I was kind of disappointed because I just wanted more. And it's one of those things where like some time passes and you go back and watch it, and it's like it's still a fun dinosaur adventure, and like. Sam Neill is awesome. <laughs> like yeah. he, he's probably the, the character that like, if I was making a Jurassic Park movie, he's the first one I bring back. Um, so I, I like Jurassic Park three. Um, it's, it's definitely not my favorite. Um, I, I personally do love the talking Raptor moment though. <laughs> Good. You know, you know, it's not enough love for the, for the Allen moment. You know, there's, there's a lot of criticisms, criticism for that moment. So good to hear somebody that loves it <laughs> I, I like that it it sort of like is reflected in each of the movies there's like like in lost world it's it, it cuts to to malcolm yawning yeah and uh it's the pigeon in uh or the bird in uh in jurassic world it's yeah. sort of like a quick moment where yeah. you're like wait what yeah exactly yeah there there is a lot of those moments and uh uh yeah speaking of jurassic world um what were your thoughts kind of going in? Were you excited for the essentially reboot of the series? Yes. Um, and you know, it's Jurassic world has my feelings on that movie have fluctuated like crazy. I really enjoyed it in theaters. Um, and I immediately bought the blu-ray and I watched it again. I thought, I don't know if I like it so much. 
And I probably a year passed and I watched it again. And I was like, oh, you know, I do like this movie. Um, and I one of the things I'll say about Fallen Kingdom, I think it retroactively makes Jurassic World even better. Um, just some of the things that we see Claire and Owen go through um, going back and looking at Jurassic World. I the, the path they take is is just made that much stronger. I I agree. I, well, I'd love to. I haven't actually done it yet. I'd, I I'd love to get back to Jurassic World to kind of com- compare everything there and see what is better or worse. I don't feel like anything's really going to be too much worse, but um, I just love to see how the previous film changes after you've seen the new one. Like you know, for instance, uh, when the Last Jedi came out, I had to go back and see you know what had changed for me in the Force Awakens. So I think that aspect is very fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I hope that I, I, I immediately watched Jurassic world just because of something I was writing and I, I just wanted to see that comparison, but um, my hope is in the next few weeks to go back and, and rewatch the entire series again and see what's changed. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is a fair point. You know, you kind of have to, to go back and, and watch a lot of them now. So, all right. So, so let's do, uh, the big thing here. Also fallen kingdom did come out in certain markets and certain previews. So both of us have seen it. And if anybody's concerned right now with us talking about fallen kingdom, uh, we won't be spoiling absolutely anything. We're just going to give you general, uh, discussion, kind of touching on some things here and there, but nothing plot wise, nothing, uh, heavily with spoilers. So, you're, you're perfectly safe, but if you don't care to hear it, I guess skip ahead a little bit. But um, so I guess, you know, what were your thoughts on, on Fallen Kingdom? I really liked it. I, I thought it was a really fun movie. Um, I think that uh, J.A. Bayona is a real talent. And the the idea that he sort of did movies like he's done, I don't know, it, it felt like a perfect marriage of The Impossible and The Orphanage. Um, in that the, there, there is this disaster side of things that is, is bigger than life spectacle. Um, but there's also a, a, a sort of creepy, genuine horror movie at the center of it. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's a very um, – the tone of the movie is very interesting to watch as it progresses. I, I love that aspect of it because it becomes very different at times. Yes. Um, and it's, it's one that I actually also want to revisit because there are some twists and turns and the more I think about it, the more I'm just curious how I'm going to feel about it, seeing it again. Yeah, that always is always the interesting part. And I think, you know, on, on one hand, you're always like, well, I, I know what happens when I rewatch a movie. Um, but on the other hand, I feel like it's fun to dive into those um, details, you know. Yes, you know what happens, and you know how things end and how things turn. But I do love like kind of revisiting those moments and just wondering, you know, all right, this is what I thought last time, but now I'm seeing all these new aspects. So that that will be the the fun part. I know I have to wait a little bit. Uh, do you have any uh, more previews coming up? Or are you going uh, again? Uh, I guess once it releases here in the states. Oh, I'll definitely go opening weekend. Um, I. One of the things I think everybody at Movie Bill just loves is seeing that opening weekend crowd. And I, I mean, there, there's sort of a personal just like it's it's cool to see people in a theater flipping through a magazine with articles I wrote. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, that has to be a good feeling. Yeah. Um, so as far as uh, just finishing up with Fallen Kingdom a little bit, too, um, 
I know personally I had uh, a great reaction to the visuals. Um, I thought the set pieces were incredible. I thought there was really great acting. And um, did you have any particular moments or uh, things that kind of stood out in that sense? I think uh, stylistically, there's there are some scenes that like I almost want to just like I, I guess I'll have to wait for the Blu-ray for this, but almost like diagram. They're just there's some really cool camera movements, uh, including a a sequence that I, I I don't even know if I've seen anything quite like it. It's just the way Bayona moves the camera is is really cool, and the idea that he comes from a very independent background. I love the idea that like his sensibilities can get married to a a giant blockbuster and end up having traits of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's been a lot of the things that people are talking about uh, online is that you know at times it is very Bayona, and other times it just feels like the um, you know the franchise movie that it is, which I think is fair because he is diving into uh, an established universe that kind of has to. <sighs> adjust to that tone, but also carry a lot of himself in with it. And I think he married those two things together perfectly. And uh, you know what else I liked uh, quite a bit was uh, Daniela Pineda. Yes. Uh, I thought it was just such a great, like, I, I can't wait to see the cosplay that comes from her character. Yeah, really. Oh, my God. She, you know, be, before the movie was even released, you just knew her, you know, based off of social media. She was a fantastic person. She's very fun to watch. And and I I was very excited to see, you know, her take in this movie. And I was hoping, like, I hope she's not just, you know, a, a bit character where you don't really get a lot of her. Do you have any thoughts on the, uh, the score? Because I know for me, the score is something that kind of comes in and out and I don't necessarily grasp onto it, you know, the first time around. Do you have any issue with that or do you kind of get a good sense of it the first time? No, when it comes to music, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty terrible at, uh, I, I, I can be emotionally moved by music and it can do things to me and I don't even realize why, um, and which I, I'm sure I can go back and see, Oh, this score played at this moment, but it's hard for me to separate from just the experience. It is. And I think that's a great thing. You know, I don't think you should be pulled out of the movie and say, oh, my God, the score is, is so loud. You know, you don't you don't want it to be too overbearing and too, uh, you know, just in your face. I think that's the perfect, you know, adjustment there is just to kind of have it underlying impactful for sure. Um, but just not as overbearing and noticeable where you're just like pointing it out every two seconds. So I think they blended it perfectly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I did, um, shortly after I had walked out of the theater, um, strangely enough, the BBC called, and <laughs> and they wanted to know a little bit about the movie. So I, I, I sat there and I, I talked with them for a few minutes on their radio station, and, and um, the guy said, um, so would you recommend this to Jurassic Park fans? <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Would you recommend this movie to Jurassic Park fans? I think Jurassic Park fans are going to like love this movie. Um, <laughs> the, the biggest complaint I have, like, it's not even a complaint I have, but a complaint I can I can imagine is that it's not the biggest Jurassic Park movie ever. Um, it's it, it's sort of like leaner and tighter, uh, and in many ways I prefer that. But I can see how somebody that doesn't care as much about Jurassic Park that's just looking for enormous dinosaur spectacle will be like oh that there wasn't as much as the last one um 
but I think Jurassic Park fans are going to find a lot to like. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's uh, that's perfect because, it, it, like you mentioned, it uh, it doesn't feel as big at times, but there are moments in this movie that feel huge. But then it definitely you know reins it in a lot, and I think that's great to kind of you know like I was talking about before, change the tone a little bit and do something a little bit different. I think they did a perfect job of blending all those things and changing it up and uh, becoming something new and something fresh in a way. Cause uh, it's, this is the fifth movie and I keep shocking myself every time I say the fifth movie, like that is just crazy after all these years to have five Jurassic park movies and to continually be talking about this for years and years. It's, it's pretty awesome. It's also a movie that I feel like it, it is only going to gain fans I mean, we may get to a point where there's 100 Jurassic Park movies. This has such a specific uh, feeling to it that I, I think even people that are like, oh, I, I wanted something bigger, can even come back and say, oh, you know, this is this is really well made. I think so. I, I, I do agree there because, you know, people had criticisms of the last one for sure, pretty heavy ones, but... This one, I feel like people felt a little bit more confident for some reason, and um, I think it shows. I think uh, they did a great job choosing everything, you know, from the director, cinematographer. I think all, like you said, Daniela Pineda, all the new actors and actresses and and everybody involved uh, did a fantastic job, and it really shows. And it's something that I think people will, like you said, be coming back to to learn more and to find out more. And um, to find out more in the continuation of the saga, I think um, people will be really interested to see what happens from here. Yeah, and and I think there's a lot of possibilities too, which makes that even more exciting. Yeah, and this it, it's so tough to talk about, and I cannot wait until you know it's been out for a little while, and we can kind of have those full discussions here on the podcast because. You know, it is very interesting. There's a lot about this movie that needs some deep dives and stuff like that. So it's gonna be it's gonna be real fun, I think. I think there's some really cool sort of meta stuff too that like, um, I mean, sometimes I that, that's just my mindset. I'm always looking for like the meta analysis of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some like thoughts in this movie about uh, the franchise as a whole and like should the franchise continue or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it always sort of comes back to the idea of like, I, I like the idea that, you know, we see in Jurassic World that they want the bigger, scarier Indominus Rex. And in, in many ways, that's the, the blockbuster movie industry. It's the like, we want something even bigger and scarier next summer. Yeah. Um, so I've always loved that sort of meta parallel. And there's there's things in Fallen Kingdom that. Uh, I can't wait for the discussions. Yeah, there and, and um, yeah. Speaking of like Jurassic World, I think Colin Trevorrow, as a creator in this franchise, has done a great job with that meta aspect and kind of commenting on a lot of stuff. And even even if maybe the commercialism commentary is a little troublesome because it's like we're commenting that commercialism is is bad, but also can't help but say pepsi you know like so it is kind of funny how that works out (laughs) yes but i do love like how he does comment on that and weaves it into the movie so it's not i don't know it just feels very michael Crichton in that sense where it becomes more than what you see yeah i you know i was rewatching jurassic world and i was thinking like it's so cool to me that 
like Verizon Wireless is responsible for the Indominus Rex. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's just so true because when you go to theme parks today, um, I have a look like a bigger you know regional theme park around here, and a lot of the stuff is sponsored by like a candy bar, and you're like, why? Like I don't mm-hmm. get it, but it's just so true, you know. And I love that he picked up on that. Yeah, and I love it. even Jake Johnson in, in Jurassic World has the the line about how like. It, it should be like the Starbucks thesaurus. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I you know before we, sp- I feel like we're just gonna like blurt it out. So let's get away from Fallen Kingdom uh-huh. and just kind of rein it in a little bit because it is tough to talk about and all that. Um, I want to go back to Movie Bill for just a second here. So, um, with something like Fallen Kingdom that's kind of been in production for a little while, and obviously we have twenty five years of movies. Um, when did you kind of start, you know, basing your outline for this uh, edition of, of Movie Bill? Well, some of it, I mean, for example, um, we had some interviews earlier on in the process, and that's at a point where, like, I haven't had the chance to see the movie yet. Um, uh, so, for instance, Daniela Pineda, I was so thrilled that she has such a, a great role and is such a cool character. Uh, and we have a, 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 like, feature interview with her that it ended up being perfect, but it's always sort of a like, Oh, well, what if she's only in the movie for the first 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. Um, so they're always, it, it is definitely easier to, to go into something like uh, fallen kingdom where there's an existing world and there's an existing lore. And um, w- one of my favorite things in the issue actually is uh, there, there's a featurette about the 25th anniversary celebration at universal um, that we sort of spliced together with with uh, cast remembering the first time they saw Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. and it it's just so cool that I I think Jurassic Park is one of those like uh, cinematic experiences that people of a certain age just share. They they all saw it on the big screen, if not opening weekend, very close to opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that that does sound fun. I can't wait to read that aspect of it, and and. Uh, you know, for Jurassic Park, I unfortunately don't remember, you know, seeing it. I was, I was maybe, you said you were nine. I think I was, I was nine. I was seven or eight. I can never pinpoint it. I I just don't feel like doing the math apparently. Um, (laughs) but it's very easy to figure out, but, uh, just haven't done it all these years, but it's just something that I, I have no memory of. And, um, you know, I think, you know, something like this could help tie that to a lot of people, help give them that uh, memory and have like you like you um, like we were saying before, you know, bringing that that movie bill home can help tie that to somebody because I have so many um, magazines and, and uh, you know, little novels and, and different things for kids back in, in 1993 when Jurassic Park came out. And I think that's important is, you know, like you were saying, it's not just about the adults reading this and playing with this. I think it's about the kids as well, kind of getting information and having that little collectible. Maybe it's their first one or maybe it's, you know, something that they'll take home and remember that moment, you know, in 30 years when they're like, hey, kids, this is when I saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom for the first time. I think that's pretty special. Yeah, and I, I'm hopeful that, I, I mean, looking back at like the original Jurassic Park, um, certainly movies like that are, are what made me want to, move to LA and, and work in the film industry. And, uh, I, am I'm, I'm very happy to give people, um, a, a look behind the scenes, um, a, as much as I can to, to what the actual process is like, because it, it's very easy to, to look at Hollywood as a very insular thing that, that 
you're not a part of. And it, it's not the case. It's like it, if, if you're a fan of something that is important and mm-hmm. it, it, it's what really makes it work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's kind of what we try to promote here is, you know, I, I, I'm hosting this, but it's basically everybody's podcast. Everybody can kind of come in and, and talk and, you know, share their feelings and stuff like that. And I feel like that's important because the fans are the ones who support these movies. So everybody kind of deserves their say, I think. And and Jurassic Park fans are so cool. <laughs> like, I I love that there are so many people that just build Jurassic Park vehicles. Yes. And it's it's awesome. Um, like, I love that there are meetups where people have have built props. Um, it, it, it's a cool fandom. It really is. And yeah, you mentioned like the uh, the vehicles and everything. It's not a lot of fa- like fandoms don't really have that. You have a select few, but even Star Wars doesn't have that. You know, they have like, I guess you could build droids and your costumes, of course. But the big aspects, like the cars and vehicles, that's really special. And I love that. Even at the uh, you know the the meetup in in Universal, like you talked about, so much of that was out there and for fans to experience. And also, just uh, again on, on on nerd lines, I'm happy that the new film is bringing new merchandise because I, I bought the uh, the Mattel Colossal T Rex, and it's so cool. It is. It is what? <laughs> yeah. Is that is that your favorite one from uh, from the line? You think? That's for sure. I I have been collecting action figures since I was I was little, and um, I I actually have a display in my living room of like movie characters. And to to add a T Rex, like a Jurassic Park T Rex that's in scale, was awesome. And it's surprisingly cheap for how giant it is. I know. Yeah, it was like fifty four dollars, but like for something that size and that cool looking, it, it was totally worth it. And yeah, it wasn't too bad. And I love that thing so much. That is my favorite one. I've gotten a lot of them so far, but and I have I do have a lot of the old ones too. Do you have any uh the old toys left over? Sort of. Um my so I have two brothers that are each like a year apart, and my younger brother was the one that like when the original movie came out collected all the toys. Oh, okay. Um so I have a I have a I played with all the toys and I have a fondness for all the toys, but technically they were my brothers. Um <laughs> I I have since gone back and I bought one of the original velociraptors. Oh, um, nice. Those are those are fantastic. You know they're 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 aged, you know, they don't uh maybe hold up to a lot of the toys today, but they they are so spectacular and I'll always love that velociraptor. And I I miss the uh the Dilophosaurus. Yeah, that actually spit was so cool. Yeah, that thing was fantastic. It's just like toys. I mean, you can almost. I, there was a point in time where I said they just don't make toys like that anymore. But that I think that time has changed, and I think with Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, and uh, you know, you had said just the marketing push and the uh, the 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 stuff that you can buy is incredible, and I think it's come around. I think the toys that are around this time are amazing. I think all the the books, the novel tie-ins, the the media that you can collect now is fantastic, and and Movie Bill's a part of that now. So I'm I'm very excited to pick that up. Um, do you have any final details or insight that you can give us uh, before we uh, head out of here? Um, I guess uh, you know I'll tease you with one other thing, um, which is in, in the back of every issue we have a game page, and uh, it. it looks like we are going to be able to have uh, a, a certain animated Jurassic Park character host the game page. Ooh, that sounds like <laughs> fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. I can't wait to see what that's about. Um, so when the time comes, uh, what is that time and where can everybody find you and Movie Bill? 
Oh, well, so Movie Bill, we're a website and we, we update stories on the website, but the magazine is really the, the coolest thing. And uh, that'll be opening weekend. Uh, so even Thursday night shows at Regal is when they'll start handing it out. Um, we do recommend uh, see it opening weekend because uh, we, we were actually pretty shocked to how quickly Avengers went away. And uh, like we printed more than a million copies and they were gone that first weekend. Wow. Yeah. And I, I, I guarantee that this will be you know, uh, maybe maybe not as big because that was that was a pretty insanely huge movie opening. But this movie will no doubt be very big and very huge and sold out everywhere across the world. So make sure to get out and get this copy because it's going to be awesome. And I I took a dive. I don't have any movie bills in front of me, but I did take a dive into the uh, the Regal app just to kind of get a sense of what it's about. And and I do love that there, there's like. You know the the style of the app is very cool, and I love that there's like um like a teaser video on how to use it uh, for for using Movie Bill and stuff like that. So I thought that was great, and also um, I you know I was on the website for a while. I was checking out all the editorial features, and that was surprising to me. I didn't I didn't realize you guys dove that far into the thing. So I I found a lot about Jurassic Park all the movies actually um a lot of news and trailers so it's been a great addition and i love checking it all out oh thank you um and i'll make sure to to, to you get a copy of both our avengers issue and, and Jurassic World. Oh, that'll be that'll be so much fun i can't wait to dive into that um so do you uh, have anything to promote yourself and uh aside from regal that's about it so we, we just look for yeah. moviebill.com so uh, what about you Oh, well, I mean, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Silas Lesnick is my name. Um, if you pick up Movie Bill, I, tell me what you think. I, I'd love to hear from, from people reading it. Great, great. So I think I see John Hammond coming, so uh, why don't we get out of here before we get on our, our tour here. So uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on, and I uh, can't wait to check out Movie Bill. Oh, yeah, thank you so much for, for talking with or for having me on. No problem. Thanks. Hey everybody, we're Chuck and Brad from Chuck and Brad Podcast. I'm Chuck. I am Brad. And we're here to tell you about a very special show that we're putting on in East Providence, Rhode Island. Um, we're appreciative of the Jurassic Park Podcast for letting us put this little special thing on. Um, it's not really an ad, it has to do with Jurassic Park. Yeah. Uh, we're comedians from the area, we're filmmakers, we're podcasters, right? Um, Brad and I both do stand-up. We actually just got back from a stand-up show. That's correct. And uh, one of the things that we that we love is pop culture. You know, we've yeah. been doing our, how long have we doing our podcast? Nine years and change. Yeah, and a lot of pop culture stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I think I'm, so. I'm trying to give you openings to actually say stuff instead of one-word answers. Well, you're just you're, asking questions that call for one-word answers. If I say how long have you doing the podcast? That's Nine a, years and change. You that's, could say a lot more than that. You could say a lot right, more. You want to start over? And if I say. We talk about pop culture a lot, don't we? You don't think that leads you into maybe more than just yes? No, I don't. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not cutting this at all. You know, our relationship to pop culture over the years is that, like, we care about it deeply. That's true. We, uh, we, there you go. We've, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We've uh, done some work on Avengers. Oh, boy, it's, when I say we've done some work on Avengers, it sounds a lot more, but we've gotten... Uh, Super in depth with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in terms of it, talking it, about it in the podcast, talking about it on the podcast, uh, exploring it through comedy, things like that. Yeah, uh, we've written fake chapters in the Harry Potter. Yeah, that's saga. true. One, one, so, so our podcast largely revolves around 
Uh, you know, the fact that we're comedians, filmmakers, I'm in a band, Brad's in an improv group. Yep. We talk about our lives as artists and what we're doing, but a lot of it revolves around pop culture. And yeah, uh, we've done a couple of our own added chapters to the Harry Potter universe. Obviously, we, we talk in depth about big movies. We do, uh, around Halloween, we'll take a big movie series like uh, Halloween or Friday the 13th. Or God help us, the Leprechaun series. <laughs> and we'll watch the whole thing. And then talk about the entire movie series as one big story on the podcast to point out the flaws, plot holes, talk about what we liked. Uh, I like the plot holes the most. Yes, so. especially in the Leprechaun series. Oh, man. That's, so that's why it's my favorite one. Yeah. Um, just a numbers game. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, and in doing live comedy over the years, um, you know, we've done live podcasts, we've done live stand-up, uh, but one of the things that we kind of stumbled upon is that we can do these live shows that are based around movies. Um, so the first one we did was actually for the How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And why don't you explain what we did when we did our live show based around the Grinch, How the Grinch Stole Christmas? All right, here's the thing, friends. I am not good at drawing stuff. Brad, Brad's drawings... I, I really think that the comparison is like Tommy Wiseau is to filmmaking... As Brad Roar, that's your name, Yes, is to drawing. That's correct. And if you don't know who Tommy Wiseau is, he was the director of the infamously terrible but widely enjoyed movie, The Room. Uh, I think that I love seeing your art because there's there's hope behind it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's effort. It's not like I just scribble something off. I try my best, mm -hmm. and my best is bad. Oh, and it, in such a delicious way. Um, if you've if you've really ever seen someone you like draw something and it looks terrible and you've enjoyed that uh, and there's something fun about it, we figured out a way to capture that. Yeah. So what we did uh, at one of our live comedy shows um, was we did this with How the Grinch Stole Christmas, where Brad drew all the key scenes from the from the film uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And once I had drawn those scenes, Chuck took the uh, the pages mm -hmm. and wrote narration that advanced the story of the Grinch, commented on my drawings, yes. revealed things I had uh, told Chuck about myself in private. Yes, it was, and it was, you know, it was all in the name of comedy. And then we got in front of an audience, and Brad was the one that had to read the narration I wrote in front of his drawings on a big screen being displayed to an audience for the first time. So there's a lot to, to, to enjoy from the audience perspective, seeing Brad's terrible artwork, hearing my comments about it, seeing Brad have to read my narration that he may or may not want to read. Oh, it's a may not. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So, you know, we did it with How the Grinch Stole Christmas at one of our live shows. We did a show um, about the, you know, we did that exact bit with the Avengers, the original Avengers movie, um, live in Providence and uh, at Big Apple Comic Con. We did yeah. two performances in April uh, in New York. And then... So what we're here to talk about is the fact that uh, we are doing this bit again, uh, where Brad draws the movie and I give a new narration and Brad has to read and deal with my narration on stage live on June 21st to Thursday at the Comedy Connection in East Providence, Rhode Island. So if you're around Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New England, any of this area, um, come on out. We're going to be headlining the Comedy Connection with this retelling of Jurassic Park um, and... Uh, it's the day before Jurassic World 2 comes out. Right. So it's kind of a celebration because we love Jurassic Park. It's one of my favorite movies. And uh, we really, we really have our own take on it. I'll just say this, guys. Yeah. Dinosaurs are really hard to draw. 
Not so much the T-Rex. Everyone knows right. what that looks like. Mm. But those spitting dinosaurs, when the when the, it fans out around their neck, yeah, really hard to draw. I, I agree with you. Um, but yeah, so uh, Thursday, June twenty first. Yeah, but you have drawing talent. Just a bit. That I, I have a. I, it's hard for me to draw that dinosaur. That's yeah. a hard one. I'll, I'll you know what? I'll draw it for you one day. All right, and you'll see how I draw it. Okay, it's not going to be great. Yeah, I've drawn it before. Um, but yeah, Thursday, June twenty first. Brad and I uh, will be headlining the Comedy Connection in East Providence, Rhode Island, with uh, Chuck and Brad reimagine Jurassic Park. So we'll be hosting the whole show. We're open the show and do a little bit of comedy up front. We have a lot of great stand-up comedians on the show, including uh, Andrew Williams, Penny Oswin, Rob Green, and Ray Harrington. And then we will headline and close the night by reimagining Jurassic Park live on stage in front of the audience with Brad's drawings and my narration. And we think it's a fun way where it's like, oh, if you love the Jurassic World, the Jurassic World series, Jurassic Park series, and you, you know, obviously, if you're listening to this, you listen to the Jurassic Park podcast. Um, you like the idea of, you know, intelligent people taking the movie, dissecting it, and, and taking part in the film. And this is really that in a live comedy setting. We're taking comedy and our love of this series, putting them together, and we're making a brand new thing. It's not like you're just going to see Jurassic Park. Right. You're going to see a version of Jurassic Park that you have never seen before. And that you can't unsee. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. You can get more information at chuckandbradpodcast.com. That's right. You can, you can uh, yeah, so we do a podcast called Chuck and Brad Podcast. It's weekly. It comes out on Thursdays. Uh, chuckandbradpodcast.com is the place to find it. And yeah, it has all the information about this live show. Uh, it has the Facebook event page. It has the, the ticket link. Um, you can find out, you know, the exact name of the names of the comedians that we said. Look them up. Whatever you want to do, um, you can go. You know, find videos of us. You search for us. See if you like what we do. Maybe listen to the podcast and see if you like. You like what we sure. like what we do. Uh, we're available on iTunes um, as well as all the Android uh, podcast apps and stuff like that. The Chuck and Brad podcast, um, and yeah, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And to give you just a quick uh, little background. You know, uh, Brad's been doing improv for many, many years now. Yeah, yeah. How many years? That, that, no, that's the right number. It's many, many. I was like nine? I don't know. It's, it's been over 10 years in Rhode Island, right. not counting my time in Chicago. Right. And, uh, you know, I've been doing film. I've been a filmmaker. I went to, uh, to college for film for many years. We've been writing comedy videos together for a long time. I just worked on a big project for nine months with the guys from uh, Comic Book Men and Impractical Jokers. We shot a game show in Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash in New Jersey. Um, with their podcast, which is called Tell Em Steve Dave, and it's made up of Quinn from Practical Jokers and Walt and Brian from Comic Book Men. And uh, I was the uh, editor and graphic artist on that, and I also kind of directed some specific parts of it and stuff and shot it. And uh, yeah, it just came out a couple weeks ago. So my film work and my our film work together has kind of led up to this point, working on some other stuff too. But if you look uh, Chuck Staten or Chuck and Brad, on YouTube, you'll find some stuff from us. We got some yeah. live stuff up there, but definitely just check out the Chuck and Brad podcast, wherever podcasts can be listened to, and at chuckandbradpodcast.com. See if you think we're funny, see if you think we're fun, and then if you do, come on out Thursday, June 21st, to Chuck and Brad reimagine Jurassic Park uh, live on stage at the Comedy Connection in East Providence with Ray Harrington, Rob Green, Andrew Williams, and Penny Oswin. It's going to be very, very fun. I'm excited to uh, show off my creations to the world. And also, thank you to the Jurassic Park podcast for letting us do this. Absolutely. I just want to say that Steven Spielberg did contact me, and he said, um, hey, you're the only person I could find that's doing anything, that's working with the Jurassic Park podcast. 
did you clear this legally with our legal team to, to make the Jurassic Park podcast? I said, I don't make the Jurassic Park podcast. And he said, will you let them know that I'm in the process of suing them? And I said, yeah, I'll let them know. He said, how are you going to contact them? I said, should I just say it in my live ad read for our for our live comedy show? And he said, I think that's the best way to get it through uh, to them. Absolutely. So, guys, uh, thanks a lot. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Uh, good luck for as long, for as long as it lasts. Uh, see you guys soon. <laughs> Listen to Chuck and Brad podcast. Chuck and Brad podcast You can say deuces as you say at the end of our episodes. Deuces. up here in the audio lab we're going to hear from chris pratt and bryce dallas howard as they talk about jurassic world fallen kingdom set injuries and a game of guess the dinosaurs it's a fun interview so let's check it out so lovely to meet you both Bryce, chris let me just tell you my surname is hammond as in john hammond and as we know jurassic park always descends into chaos (laughs) drama and uh, near-death experiences, a little bit like my interviews. So are you both <laughs> ready? Oh, I boy. hope so. I hope so. Yeah. You're, hey, you're wearing heels. Yes, so. I, I can book it out of here. <laughs> I've got the right footwear. So. Well, the thing is, it's interesting that you talk about heels because in the last move, you did the whole film in heels. Yep. This time, a little bit more sensible. Yes, yeah. And I'm you know, glad you did that. She, she knew. Not only did I know as the actress, she knew. Claire knew she was going to be on that island. Yeah. yeah. I've got to admit, this time round, I thought it was a lot more scarier, a little bit like a horror movie. Right. Was that deliberate? Yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> I, I think it's like, well, first of all, J.A. Bayona, who is the director of this movie, of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, is a terrifying filmmaker. I mean, he's that's kind of his specialty. And, I mean, he made movies like The Orphanage and The mm-hmm. Impossible and Monster Calls. So he's just kind of a master of suspense. We realize that the danger of this of in this movie is not uh, some some animals accidentally escaping, but rather humans pushing this science way beyond its limits and just the repercussions of that science getting into the wrong hands and just how terrifying that can become. When and are these scientists going to learn? When are they going to learn? Probably ap- just after Jurassic 3. <laughs> it was a really physical film, this one. A lot of stunts. Um, Any injuries? There, there were very few days where I didn't get injured. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Are you serious? Yeah. 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 Uh, The only only spots I got injured was both my elbows and my right knee and my right ankle and my neck. And your hamstring. And my hamstring. Yeah, I tore both my hamstrings. Yeah. Was he in a wheelchair? (laughs) And take get out of the wheelchair. (laughs) (laughs) When I get out of bed in the morning now, it sounds a little bit like the finale of a fireworks show. You know, it's just like, it's like a jazz drummer. <laughs> <laughs>
I get a crack coin. I don't know. Oh, I'm at that no. age now where things start popping. Now, I've got a little game for you. Are you quite competitive, you two? No. no. Not at all. That's no. good. That's good if you're not competitive. You can help each other out. So you've got a buzzer. These are your buzzers. Okay. So all you've got to do is guess the dinosaur. Okay, so you just got to say what you see, okay? You okay. must press, press your buzzer so I know who's there. You ready? Okay. Say what you see. Okay. Here we go. So what do you see? A Tiasumnosaurus. <laughs> do I get an opportunity Can you shorten in? it? Is that your answer, final answer? A, a T-Subnosaurus. A okay, let, no, 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 let's go to you. Let's go to you, Chris. Oh, T-Rex. Well done. <laughs> Number two, are you ready? You get it? Yeah. No, well get done, Brian. Okay, number two, here we go. Say what you see. This sounds like this. So, this is the sound, okay? So don't concentrate on the ear. He's a rapper on tour. If you have it, don't, oh, don't oh, let oh, me win. Oh, oh. Press the buzzer. <laughs> Chris. The Philosoraptor. Correct. Well done. That's one each. Okay, let's go into the third one. This is an easy one. I didn't get the Okay, you ready? Okay. This, one, this one's really easy, okay? Okay. Nice and easy. Emily, who is it? It's a... Chris? Uh, Barontosaurus? Well done. Oh, you're well really done. good at this She's game. She's really good. Really okay, this is a personal favourite. Who's okay. the actor? That's Michael Sarah. Correct. And I'm... there's three of him. And there's... Try... One... <laughs> Thank you for that. What the is it, darling? Triceratops. Well done. Okay, so I this love the is the final one. Although you look like you're in the lead, darling. Oh no, Chris. Okay, last one. Let's see if we can pick it back. He's showing a lot of fear here, or is it terror? Yes, Chris. A pterodactyl. <gasps> a pterodactyl. You're not the winner, Chris. Unfortunately, you are the winner, Bryce. Oh no. I Win fair and This is a golden Velociraptor claw. Okay, I'm sure this is like totally real. Yeah, totally. Like, I got it off Baby Blue. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Gosh, congratulations. Congratulations, my dad, and congratulations on the we film. Can, we can share. We can share this. Okay. <laughs> okay. We can like share custody of this little guy. Okay. And like, I'll wear it. In the mornings, and you'll wear it in the Ooh, evening. Ooh, seething. I want that so bad. <laughs> I can't believe you won it, and I didn't. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. I Thank you. <laughs> Can I keep this? Next up, let's hear from myself and Tom Fishenden as we guested on BBC Radio 2 in the UK. I got a call minutes after leaving the theater from watching Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I'm not sure when Tom did his, but both are great, so take a listen. To Radio 2, which is what you're listening to. Of course you knew that. Uh, now, Wish You Were There is on the way, and it's going to have a Jurassic Park vibe to it, because we've been talking a lot about this new Jurassic World film. On the phone right now is Tom, and I'm led to believe, Tom, that you are a super fan. Uh, yeah, hi, OJ. I guess you could say that. Yeah, I'm a very big fan. <laughs> how, how do you become a massive fan of Jurassic Park? Is it the amount of times you've seen it? Do you just love dinosaurs? Um, I suppose so, yeah, and also a combination of doing a bunch of different things to do. So um, doing a podcast to do with it with a bunch of other people, going out to different events and things, and just, yeah, loving dinosaurs and loving history, I suppose. What's the podcast called? Has it got some catchy punish title? Uh, it's the Jurassic Park podcast, so quite, you know, <laughs> out there. It's and and to the point. People <laughs> will find it when they're searching for it. Um, so when are you going to see the new film? So it's out tonight, but I'm actually not seeing it till tomorrow. Ooh. So I'm going to see it in IMAX at Waterloo, which is the biggest IMAX screen in the country. So I'm really excited. And how are you keeping away from social media to avoid any spoilers? 
Um, honestly, it's quite difficult. Usually I'm on social media every day, um, just tweeting about the films, tweeting out different photos, things like that. So I'm kind of trying to dodge it, but if stuff pops up here and there, I get tagged in stuff. So it's hard to dodge it, but it is. I'm doing the best I can. You know, That's the problem with modern social media. To try and avoid spoilers is nigh on impossible nowadays. But listen, now I know you're a super fan. As soon as I was told by my handler, D-Sizzle, that you were coming on, I googled the hardest Jurassic Park quiz in the world. So I'm going to ask you three questions to see how good you are. You ready for this then, Tom? Okay, let's do it. Okay. What is the film's famous tagline? Oh, my God. Ah. Oh, wow. This is bad, isn't it? I don't it's even not. know this. I, Let me think. Come on, keep thinking. It's, uh-huh. an, it's an adventure. 65 million years in the making. There we go. That's Indeed it is. Okay, your second question is, what is Dr. Ellie Saltler's occupation? She's a paleobotanist. There you go. You're into the swing of this now. <laughs> um, according to Muldoon, your final question, at what age do the velociraptors become lethal? Lethal, and I do mean lethal. I want to say, oh, it's either six or eight months. I can't remember which. It's one of the two. Which one is it? I want to say eight. It is eight, eight months. months. Tom, it is eight months. Cool. You see? Sweet. You, you got into that. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much for your time, mate. Enjoy the film. Thank you, you too. Cheers, buddy. That is Tom, a Jurassic Park super fan. He knew those questions. He was good. Park films. Uh, the new one that's out is called Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And I feel like, because we do this show, you know, the first thing that you'll hear on Radio 2 every day will be this show, Monday to Friday, of course. Uh, and I feel like we're at the sharp end of the reviews. Now, there have been uh, screenings in the United Kingdom. But why do we want to stay on this continent when we can go to a different one and speak to Bradders? Hey, Brad, whereabouts are you in America? I am currently in New York. New York City. <laughs> now, you have yeah. just been to see the new Jurassic World film. Um, out of a million stars, how good is it? Whew, that's a tough question. That is a very tough question. I'll, I'll give it a million. That's fine. Is it that good, then? Because in the UK, it's had some pretty ropey reviews <laughs> from the critics. You know, it's very tough to tell right now. I literally just walked out of the theater. Um, so there is a lot to process. Okay. It's, it's a... Well, let's ask, crazy ride. Let, let's ask you some questions about the film. First off, the most important question. Sure. What snacks did you take in with you into your New York cinema? Did you go trendy or did you go like nachos with everything on? No, you know, I just, I had a big bucket of popcorn. I had some Skittles and a water. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, sweet or salted? Oh, salted. Yeah. Oh, man. I like it when you do a mix. I know I'm going off topic here. I like it when you do a mix. So what you do <laughs> is you have sweet at the bottom. And then you have the salted on top. Okay. And it's like going through a main course and getting into dessert. Anyway, I've gone off topic here. Talk me through the film. It's the follow-up. It's got Chris Pratt in. I really liked the reboot with the first one. Is this second one, The Fallen Kingdom? I mean, would you recommend it to Jurassic Park fans to go and see? Oh, absolutely. No question. If you're Jurassic Park fan, you have to be at the movie. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, it's a very different movie than the first Jurassic World. Um, very different. I can't even touch on anything without spoiling it but it is so different yeah don't do any spoilers because we've had a couple of people tweeting about a certain marvel film and ruin it for me earlier on today no um, yeah i couldn't i've not seen it yet. somebody texted in which is uh, anyway I, I i'm off topic again um is it a bit like jurassic park three in the sense that i think jurassic park three was the one where they all ended up in new york or somewhere like that in america because they took the the dinosaurs out on a world tour which seemed like a good idea at the time i'd guess yeah. That was the second movie, uh, The Lost World. They, they ended up in San Diego. Um, I would say it's nothing like The Lost World. A lot of people thought The Lost World would have a lot of vibe with this movie, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. 
but I don't think so at, at all. Like on the surface, it sort of looks like it could, but not really when you see the entire thing. Well, listen, Brad, this has been great. Um, I do have to say, though, you're also a massive Jurassic Park fan. You do a podcast. I do, yes, the Jurassic Park podcast. Is that, why does everyone call it? We were hoping that somebody had a great pun title for it. We tried to come up with some earlier on, and the best we got was uh, T-Rex the Microphone and Diplopodlicus, I think was the other one we came up with. Um, it sounds like a great podcast. Um, really appreciate your time. I'm going to listen to your podcast. Good. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Not a problem. You've got I one you downloader. I will do. I'm going to love it. Uh, that's Brad, who does the Jurassic Park podcast who's just been to see the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, says it's great. And lastly, here in the Audio Lab, we have a portion of Michael Giacchino's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom score posted by Entertainment Weekly. Now, if you don't want to hear anything from the score just yet before you see the movie, skip ahead a few minutes. Now, as Entertainment Weekly notated in their article, which will be found in our show notes, the title of this track is This Title Makes Me Jurassic. Um, which is the first track off the Fallen Kingdom score. It's a pretty awesome track, and you've heard portions of it um, via that um, in-studio recording that they did basically on their cell phone um, a while back. There's the sort of the beginning of that, which this theme is used throughout the movie. But it's a great track, so let's check it out.
Man, that one is intense. It is so good. It is so good. And it's only the first track out of 26. I can't wait to hear the rest. And, you know, like I said, as you're watching the movie, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other uh, as you're watching all the visuals on screen. So I can't wait to memorize this thing. I love the Jurassic World score. It was one of my favorites, uh, you know, of recent times and uh, specifically of 2015. It was in constant rotation on my phone. And I don't think this one will be any different. I cannot wait for the 15th. If you want to find that article from Entertainment Weekly, head to the link in our show notes. Make sure to visit JurassicParkPodcast.com to find all our past episodes, brand new news articles, information on how to contact us, and much more. It's a great source for everything related to the podcast, and of course, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Head to JurassicParkPodcast.com and help us build a great community. Anybody hear that? Thanks for listening to the 154th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Of course, a big thanks to Arjun for episode 24 of Extinction Level. We are getting so close to the end, and the radio drama just keeps surprising us around every turn. So many great additions to the Jurassic Universe, and I can't wait to see what happens next. A big thanks to Silas for joining me today in the Visitor Center. I can't wait to check out the upcoming movie, Bill. Hopefully all of you will head out to Regal Cinemas and pick up one for yourself. Make sure to get your tickets now, and it sounds like you're in for a really, really big treat. Find all the links to the movie bill in our show notes. Lastly, thanks to Chuck and Brad for sending in the audio to inform everybody about their upcoming comedic retelling of Jurassic Park. Make sure to find a link to their website in our show notes. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Jurassic Park Podcast. And our Instagram handle is at Jurassic Park Podcast. You can listen to us via iTunes, Google Play, Podomatic, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review in iTunes or a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. Don't forget to check out JurassicParkPodcast.com for all the links you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Enjoy.